Welcome to Two Guys in the Bible, a conversation on theology, culture, and God's Word. My name is Eric Leupold, and with me is, as always, my co-host, Dylan Keniston. Good morning, Dylan. How are you? Good morning, brother. Doing well this morning. How are you? I'm doing great. And uh, today, we have a special guest with us on the the show, uh, Greg Anderson, who is... special. Well... I'm just kidding. He's super special. He's He's special. He's He's to me, he's special. He's special to to us. We love us some Greg. That's right. And Greg Anderson... Special can have so many meanings. It's true. And we'll talk about that a little bit uh, today on today's podcast. But uh, but Greg is director of member care, uh, aka as he would say, whipping boy for uh, Hilltown Baptist Church. Yep, that's and all accurate. That's <laughs> and so we wanted to bring him on this morning and tell us a little bit about uh, his background, what what uh, how he was uh, brought to uh, to love the Lord, and how he uh, ended up in. The ministry position he is today here at uh, Hilltown. So, uh, so with that, first, uh, Greg, uh, tell us about your own uh, spiritual life growing up and uh, and how you came to know the Lord. Well, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The uh, buckle like on the Bible the, belt. That's right, the buckle <laughs> of the Bible it's belt. It's pretty flat there too, right? Yeah, uh, it is pretty flat. So there's uh, there's some hills in Tulsa. Okay. Um, so it actually, but none to die on. <laughs> well, I don't know if I can say that. So all the hells that we die on in Oklahoma involve meat. So okay. that's fair. Yeah, hence Smoketoberfest. That's right. So uh, yeah, I um I was born into a family that went to church. Um, I don't remember uh, ever not going to church uh, as a uh, as a little kid. Um, but I wouldn't say that our family was. Like we went to church, but we we weren't disciples is may, maybe the best way to say it. Like mm. it was a it was a custom for us, but but I, I don't feel like it really became something that our family needed or lived um, until my parents divorced uh, when I was about nine, mm. um, and then it became uh, really central to uh, to our lives. I I, I think um, I think I was a believer before that point. Um, I like the truth of the gospel is something that I've always believed, but it wasn't something that I ever really followed after mm-hmm. until that time of suffering, which was major suffering for us, uh, entered and, and I needed something beyond like my parents or my friends. Um, and that, that was, I, I would say the point at which I really started to follow after the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth of the gospel I, I knew and, and had internalized, but, but, uh, it really, I think, became real to me at that point. Around nine, ten years old, then. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And then, uh, what uh, from there? What were you know your goals, aspirations? Where was the Lord leading you at that young age? Then. Yeah, I um, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Oh no! At nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, nothing. nothing. Who doesn't? Uh, well, I had seen <laughs> I had seen the movie Iron Eagle. Um, I don't recommend that for anyone. At yeah, this point, but me neither. We usually don't listen to music while we're, yeah, doing right, that. Yeah. yeah, uh, especially not 80s classic rock. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not fly- you're not flying an F 16 if you're not flying it while listening to Twisted Sister. That's, That's just true. my point of view. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, yeah, I wanted to be a fighter pilot and then I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. Um, Very similar, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I would say about eighth grade, God started to surround me with pastors. Mm. Um, I had basketball coaches that were pastors. Pastors drove me to school in the morning. Um, Like I kind of had two pastors sort of mentoring me uh, from eighth grade, almost through 
through high school. Hmm. And um, how did you was, connect with them? Do you mind if I like? How did you meet them? Was it just like in the community you were going to church, or were they like involved in the school you were at at all? Or? They, they were involved in the school that I was okay. going to, um, and uh, and then there were several pastors on staff that I had unusual access to at, at our church um, that other high school students didn't for whatever reason. And looking back, I don't really know why that is, other hmm. than God just orchestrated. Um, greater access for me than than for the others, hmm. um, and I'm sad for them, but thankful for me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I would say about uh, midway through my freshman year of high school, I, I really felt like pastoral ministry was the direction I wanted to head. Um, so I uh, went and spent a week uh, with one of my friends down at Dallas Seminary um, when I was a junior and went to class and really enjoyed that and um, felt like uh, once I graduated from high school that that was definitely the the direction I wanted to go. So I went to Cedarville for undergrad. I, I studied English as my major uh, and then did minors in history, communication, and Bible. Um, and really all of that I studied as a supplement to um, a seminary degree. Um, I didn't want to, I had a lot of friends that went and did pre-seminary or, or Bible majors. I was going to ask that, like, were you encouraged at all by, by others to go? So let me just brief context for this question. Like when I was an undergrad, I would do like the college and career counselor counseling and stuff like that. And at the time I wanted to do law school and I was like, well, should I do like pre, you know, legal or pre-legal or as my undergrad? They right. were like, no, 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 like don't do that. Yeah. And, and part of their, their rationale behind that advice was like, you know, when you get to law school, they want to mold you. They kind of want to, you know, have a clean slate, quote unquote, to work with. So I don't know, like, cause I, you know, my experience with seminary came much later in my life. So I don't, was it a similar kind of rationale for you to go the English direction? If it, you know, by the time you're a freshman, you're feeling a pull to the ministry, but at some point you made a decision to say, you know, I'm not going to take kind of like a, a a dedicated route towards ministry in undergrad, but you still had plans to do it yeah. postgrad. Yeah, yeah. Our associate pastor at our church recommend. Actually, he recommended that I major in history for sermon illustration. Oh, interesting. wow, interesting. Which, huh. So I so I minored in history huh. um, with that in mind, um, and then minored in communication just because there's a lot of delivery, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, um, totally. In pastoral ministry. And I did have the minor in Bible, so I so I added a little bit of that huh. in there, but it's like five minors. Yeah, it was three minors, <laughs> three minors. <laughs> um, so and then I uh, and then I had the English degree, um, which is really just a thinking degree. Yeah, um, you do a lot of reading and a lot mm-hmm. of talking about ideas, mm-hmm. and so I sort of feel like it was a, uh, it, it was really helpful just in terms of th- helping me learn how to think through things. Hmm. So that once I got to seminary, it was. It was a good foundation to have. Um, it was different than a lot of the other guys that had gone through pre-seminary hmm. uh, in undergrad. But, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have changed how I did it. Got it. Where did, and where did you end up going to seminary again? Sorry. I went to Dallas. You, went to, you, you ended up going to Dallas. So you visited Dallas when you were a junior. Yep. And then you was like, I love me some Dallas. Yeah. I probably would have done it differently at this point. But, okay. Um, Yes, I ended up at Dallas. So, so Cedarville's I, in Ohio. I though, wear right? that scarlet letter on <laughs> on me now. So Cedarville's in Ohio. Go there, but <laughs> right. Yeah. So you went. So that's pretty far, and then you're coming back closer to uh, to home. 
yeah with regards to dallas there yeah for for postgraduate work essentially right yeah okay all right how, how did you enjoy your experience there dallas? yeah what was what was dallas yeah. like as a as a you know not to like as just as an educational what was your experience like there you know what kind of good and bad you know good and bad yeah Wow, that's kind of it's a very loaded question for me. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> well, it, it's hard. It's hard for me to look at my time at Dallas without viewing it through the lens of the end. Hmm. And the end was, um, the end was very painful for me. Hmm. Um, my mom was diagnosed with uh, metastatic brain cancer my last semester there um it was november 1st 2011 and i got a call when i was in the dining hall mm. and that was my last day on campus mm. um, and you were a senior basically okay yeah um i i had to finish up some coursework and then mm. and then i just had the mass uh, the thesis to write mm. um so that was my last day on campus i mm. uh, i went home and packed the family up and we drove up the four hours to Tulsa uh, to be with my mom. And then I was her full-time caregiver for mm. the next six months. Um, she came to live with us. We had a, um, Sam was three, Lucas was one and a half, and Ruby was about six weeks old at the time. That's and, a lot. Uh, and then I like to say that we had a special needs child, which was my mom. Um, she thought that was funny, so I kept saying it. Um, so we just we just really battled and struggled through that time um, but, uh, I, I just felt very wounded in that season because no one from our church or from the seminary ever checked in on us, called, dropped meals off, mm -hmm. asked if they could do anything. Um, and you and, had been involved in that church for, like, yeah, for, two or three years. Okay. Yeah. And um, it's not like they didn't know you. It's not like they didn't know of the family. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I was, yeah. Uh, like I was the Sunday school intern there and, um, you know, but you also had 3000 students at Dallas that were training to be pastors that just didn't like, didn't pastor. Right. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, my, my, um, uh, my, uh, mentoring prof, um, never reached out, mm. um, and he had taken care of his dad who died from cancer during his sabbatical year. Um, so it was just, uh, it was, it, I, I, I came out of that, that period really disillusioned. And the major question for me in that time was, you know, we, we, we do a lot of study of the Bible. We know the Greek and the Hebrew. We know a lot of big words, but why does it not seem to make a difference in mm. like how we care for or love one another? Yeah. Um, and so um, I, I really like, th there were some really crucial classes and some really uh, important people that I, that I both took and met mm -hmm. um, at, at the seminary. Um, but it, when it, uh, when it came to preparing me for ministry, um, I feel like they they only took the ball halfway, and I don't I don't know if it's their responsibility because obviously God picked that ball up and took me and my family through some major suffering um, that 
that prepared me to minister to people in a way mm-hmm. that I never would have been able to had mm-hmm. I not gone through that. One of the last conversations I had with my mom, she died in my bedroom um, mm. uh, in a hospital bed that we had moved in there. Um, and I was sitting with her a couple of days before she went into a coma, actually the day before she went into a coma. And um, I was going to walk for graduation about three weeks after that. And uh, she was crying, um, lamenting that she wouldn't get to see me in ministry. Um, I had no greater champion, probably will never have a greater champion than my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was no one happier to see me go to Dallas Seminary for pastoral ministry. And so she's she's tearing up over not getting to see me in ministry. And I just smiled at her and I said, Mom, you're my greatest ministry. I've spent the last four years learning about supralapsarianism and... <laughs> you know, eschatology and ecclesiology, all these ologies and mm-hmm. isms, you've taught me how to love someone um, and to love someone in a way that causes me to enter into and suffer with them. Mm-hmm. And that is by far the, the most valuable thing that she could have given me. Um, so there are ways in which I see God using that time to grow me leaps and bounds in terms of being prepared for ministry, um, it's hard for me to look at Dallas mm-hmm. though and say they did a great job with mm-hmm. that. There were there were definitely good tools that they put in my hand, um, but uh, I I don't know that I would recommend anyone go there. So it may oh. not be like necessarily like a bad reflection on Dallas as an educational institution. As an educational yeah, institution, but like, they're strong. But in terms of like that that what it church takes family. to be formed yeah. for ministry exactly yeah. like church family that sounds like you know there were you know some balls dropped there right. um but it, it just goes to show like what a tremendous impact on um someone who is preparing for the ministry the family has and how how our family members impact our lives um and then how we then in turn you know care for them and you know care for our own families um i think paul does lay that down as a qualification mm-hmm. for for eldership, right, is that you know you are able someone to to, able to take care of your own family, right? If your man right. can't take care of his own family, how's he going to care for God's flock? Um, yeah, so I just I hear the the weight of that, and I'm just um, grateful to God for the influence of of your mother in that regard. Um, and yeah. and it sounds like you know Dallas equipped you with some great some great education and some great tools, but kind of like you said, taking the ball the other half of that court distance was really like how the Lord used that time with your mom and is now, you know, uh, we're seeing like fruit from that, even in the life of our own church. So grateful to the Lord for her. Right. Yeah. And speaking of that, I mean, so you're, you're Dallas. I mean, you're, that's, that's where you, you, that area you grew up. So what brought you here in Pennsylvania, Hilltown after that? Yeah. Well, Amber is from this area. Okay. Uh, So we actually, after we finished, Amber is my wife. Your wife? Yep. Um, for those of you who don't go to Hilltown, um, so uh, she's she's from the area. And after we graduated from Cedar Cedarville, we actually came back and lived here for about five years oh. and saved before we went to seminary. Oh, before we went to Dallas, okay. okay. Yeah. So it was a five year break then between Cedarville and Dallas. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So we yeah we paid off student debt, kind of saved up and prepped to go. And so then we we actually had Sam uh, in September, early September, and then left to go to. Dallas okay. in early November 
Uh, he was about two months old when we left and oh. uh, packed everything up. And, wow. Uh, including the beagle. And, uh, so and say <laughs> whole family in tow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. That. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so, we, so we finished there. And like I said, I, I kind of went through a, a period of mm-hmm. just be, feeling disillusioned. Um, and, uh, I would, I would say that I was clinically depressed and, um, Amber, uh, had, uh, just found out that she, uh, she had a major thyroid condition, mm. um, and, uh, was really battling with that and got mono. And so we were just kind of a mess and financially we were a mess and, um, didn't really know. We, we certainly weren't in a position to take on a ministry role, didn't really know where God wanted us to go. Mm-hmm. So we, we ended up essentially back here um, in early 2014. Here being Pennsylvania? Yeah. Or here being, okay, not yeah. Hilltown here, but like. Right. Yeah. So we, we um, I, I had worked uh, selling windows and doors um, for the five years that we lived here originally. And I ended up back in Bucks County, again, uh, selling windows and doors. And that just sort of, that sort of added insult to injury. Like it just, um, you know, we, we had suffered through this seminary time and the loss of my mom and Amber's health and, um, you know, all for like the sake of the ministry. Mm-hmm. And then I came back and drove the same car to the same houses, sell the same windows, the same people, mm-hmm. you know, wore the same shirt. And, um, like it just, I just couldn't handle it. Um, and I was angry with God and, um, depressed and yeah, I was just, I was a mess, uh, when we came back and, um, we ended up, we, we lived with Amber's family for about six months and we finally found a place to rent in Plumsteadville. Yeah, we were looking in uh, like Northeast Philly, uh, Lower Bucks area, and we uh, so we we ended up there um, about ten minutes from Helltown, and um, <clears throat> Amber uh, was taking the kids to some churches. I was not going, mm. um, and uh, she started coming to Helltown in mm, probably late summer of two thousand fourteen, and. Uh, early fall, she asked me to commit to coming to six sessions of the Buchek small group. And that's where I met you for the first time. Which is where we met. Ah. That's right. And yeah. Ah, how about that? Uh, yeah. That's, so that's interesting. Yep. The loopholds were there. Uh, the <laughs> Simracks were in that group. Uh, the Bucheks were obviously there. And um, uh, yeah, it was it was painful for me to even go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, th- I think that, uh, several of the people there thought that I wasn't a believer. Um, and I can understand why, uh, but it was, it was just hard to go. Um, but I, I made it through the six weeks and I kept going and, um, uh, you know, I, uh, I find it incredibly ironic <laughs> that, 
you know, the church that I'm now on staff at, my wife literally had to drag me yeah. to. And you're in charge of the small groups and member, right. member yeah. care. Yeah. Right. And then she dragged you to the small group. Yeah. <laughs> well, amazing. I just, well, like one of the things that's just coming through to me as you're, as you're sharing some of this is just the ways that the Lord prepared you for the role that you have now, right? Like all of the ways in which you went through, um, you know, bouts of depression and, and you know, um, bereavement within within your own family. Um, and then kind of how, you know, wrestling, even, you know, wrestling with the Lord at times and saying, you know, Lord, maybe I've just, you know, taken some time, you know, you had not been coming to church, you finally did end up coming to church, and the Lord then used Hilltown in a way to root you and then to uh, nourish some of that, uh, some mm-hmm. of that in you that had not, that had been dormant for some time. What's remarkable is that's so many people's story. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like there's so many people who go through this, like at least who, who I've talked to and like even even myself at times have wrestled with bouts of like disillusionment. And that's real. Like that's something that people really wrestle with. So for you to have gone through that and then the Lord having, you know, alongside others in the church and, and your family, you know, walked you through uh, using your family and, and members of the church to walk you through the other side of that. Um, it's just a really powerful uh, testimony. And um, I mean, just what a what a. Um, not to think of it like in purely these terms, but like what an asset that is to the church and to the kingdom. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I really needed to be humbled. Um, not saying that I don't still need to be, but, um, you know, w- w- uh, I, I feel like one of the light bulb moments for me mm-hmm. was I, um, I would read to the kids at night out of the children's Bible. I like to call it the authorized children's bible (laughs) you know and i would pray um really a very formulaic prayer like because i I couldn't like it it was a prayer that i could get through Mm -hmm. um but i couldn't like just from the heart extemporaneous like i just Mm -hmm. i couldn't um but i was reading to them uh the story of jesus in the boat with the disciples Mm -hmm. uh, when he calms the the wind and the waves and I had been in my own life crying out and saying, God, where are you? Why are you not directing or guiding or helping? And I'm in the process of reading this story that I have read to them hundreds of times, and it hits me. He's in the boat. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you, you know, and, and I love that it came from the children's Bible. Like here, I could have read it in the Greek, right? Like <laughs> yeah. I really, I'd been trained yeah. for... And out of the children's Bible, he speaks to me with this this truth, like, I'm I'm in the boat with you, like, I, I know what's happening here, yeah, and I have since been able to look at people's lives and see they're going really going through a hard time, and they're terrified that like everything's going to capsize and they're going to drown in whatever. He's in the boat, and like to be able to know that terror that they're experiencing Hmm. um and to also know the truth that he's there with them um is yeah i would say it's not an asset that i bring but just it's just an asset to the body that like i'm able to minister in that way from that experience yeah yeah absolutely it's just such a testimony to i mean to to the lord's work like how how 
simple of a truth that is, and yet it's just in in the midst of um, all of these challenges and hardships in our own lives. I mean, the, it can just come through and just hit you like a ton of bricks. Like like you said, like I, I know the Greek, I know the isms and the ologies, but like here's this yep. simple truth, like Christ, mm-hmm. Christ is in the boat with you. And right. that just, what a, what a tremendous... Um, truth that is to hit and to hit home from the children's bible like you were saying like that's just <laughs> right that's just so cool like that's how how like god the is authorized that? children's bible yeah. <laughs> but here's it so i mean i know so many people talk about uh, you know how could god allow this to happen you know problem of evil right that's always whether it's an unbeliever talking about that or even a, a, a christian um and so and and a lot of times the official answer or the answer that i you know, i was always told was well um, we don't always know right away why something has happened, but you know, as as it says, he works all things according to his will, and uh, conforming us as Christians to the image of of Christ, his mm-hmm. Son. So, and and that, and, that, and you know, we can believe that, and it sounds good, and we can affirm that, but in in the moment, it's like, can you really believe that? So, kind of like speak to that as far as like how you understood that in the moment and then now looking back on the situation how, is that in that truth is that more real to you now yeah i mean i, I don't know that there's ha- having experienced um some of the suffering that i've gone through and then walking with other people through suffering mm-hmm. i'm not sure that there's necessarily a great answer to the problem of evil for anyone that's walking through it. Um, I think I think the, the best answer to the problem of evil is to be the goodness of God to them mm-hmm. in that time. Um, and, and I guess, well, I, I think the best answer to the problem of evil is to look at God and see his goodness and his glory and to know that there must be an answer, mm-hmm. right? We don't get to know how some of those things connect and um, and and how exactly he orchestrates them, but he is good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt about that, and so that then tells me that even though I don't know the answer to, to the problem of evil, there is one. Mm-hmm. So then m- my job when it comes and i don't mean my role on staff here but yeah. my job as a believer um to uh, engage with someone who is suffering is to be near to them with the goodness of god yeah and th- that can take many different forms but ultimately it's making sure that they feel connected to uh, the source of God's love, which is his spirit in me, um, and that they feel connected to the truth of God's love mm-hmm. so that I'm uh, speaking, you know, things like he's in the boat with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you having gone through that suffering, in, like I'm thinking of uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 4, uh, you know, blessed be the Father of mercies, God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those yep. who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we have been comforted. Mm. So for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Like right. you're having been through 
those trials and the Lord having been a comfort to you and, and that moment, right, crisis in the boat, that recognition now allows you to be a comfort to others with that, with that right. same truth. Right. Um, mm. So that's, that's, that's really powerful. I mean, that to me is just like the body doing its thing, like what, what God has, has set up to do. Well, it's just, it's a beautiful, I mean, it redeems that suffering. Exactly. Yes. Right. I mean, it yes. and gives, gives it purpose meaning. to. Yeah. So exactly the question right. is, and it's a hard question is, do, I mean, do we, or if you want to speak to this, you personally, giving thanks for those trials and those sufferings? Yes. Yeah. Just looking back at that time mm-hmm. of, I don't know if it was learning or recognizing, maybe it was both that he was in the boat. Mm-hmm. Like there have been times since then um, where I can, where I have looked back and been thankful that God had taught me that and walked me through that so that in my present circumstance, yeah. I can know that and, huh. um, and adjust my thinking and my feeling even. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that was, uh, it was a really interesting thing for me in that time of being disillusioned and depressed that like I knew in my head that no matter what, like that, uh, that God had come and died for my sins um, and given me a path to life. Like even if that's all he had done and stepped back, mm-hmm. right? He would be to- totally worthy. And, and maybe even and if he hadn't done that, he'd be totally worthy of all of my adoration, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. So like I knew that in my head, but I could not at all get my heart to respond to that. Right? And it was one of the first times in my life where, like, it didn't matter what I knew. I couldn't feel it. Um, and uh, what's been interesting since that point of seeing the, uh, the value of that time of suffering and understanding his presence there, even if I didn't feel it, is that's actually helped me since to be able to connect those two. Like, to yeah. be able to even... Even when I am terrified and I know the truth, like, whereas before I wouldn't have been able to feel his nearness, I've been able to push that feeling in, in a way that, that I wasn't able to before. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. It does. I think one of the things that's, like, really helpful here, I think, in, in this is just the reminder that um, when there are things that our head knows to be true, that our hearts struggle to feel, that that tr- that connection between the two is is facilitated by God's word. So um, yeah. as it as it was in your case, right? So in those instances, you know, I, I've you know, it's it can be so easy and and we can be so tempted to turn to other things to fill that gap and mm-hmm. try to bridge that connection between you know what our heads know and what our hearts feel. Like sometimes, you know, I, alcohol, something like it doesn't have to be anything like yeah. super extreme, right? But we turn to something, whatever it is, to fill that gap. But if, you know, being uh, consistently in the word, even if by God's grace it was through your children and, and you know, reading to them from, mm-hmm. you know, this kid's Bible. But nevertheless, this is a truth rooted in God's word that God used to to help you bridge that gap. Right. Um, and it's just a testimony to the power of of scripture in our lives and and the necessity of us when we are when we lack that connection between head and heart when we're not feeling it right to preach these truths into our minds until our hearts grab onto them and the the holy spirit facilitates that 
through the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's just, to me, it's like, bam, like right there. It was, mm-hmm. it's, it's the Holy Spirit working through scripture exactly as he says he will do. And right. that, that brings up another question I had regarding, I mean, we see, you had mentioned that the church previously had, had not done its job. So what here at Hilltown was different, what, if, if anything, that helped you to bring that connection and to help you through this time and to, and to help uh, the, the Lord use to grow you to where you are now? What, what, what went right here? I would say uh, people like I, I made friends that were willing to give me time, like that didn't need me to be uh, completely uh, washed and clean, um, you know, atypical or uh, you know, typical uh, believer. Um, that had everything together and had all the right answers. Um, there were just there were enough people that saw the wounds and were were okay to love me and give me time to heal and um, and enter into some of that suffering with me. Mm-hmm. Um, That's huge. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like, I would say that that was the biggest thing. I mean, y- you know, uh, I think that, that Dylan's right, that, um, the spirit of God using the word of God to, uh, mature and perfect and grow the people of God mm-hmm. is essential to the life function of the church. And that's happening here. That happened, happened for me here. I would say that the the component that that helped me uh, hear that um, and be connected to that long enough for it to take root and and develop was that that there were people here that were willing to befriend me and talk about smoked meat um, or <laughs> sports <Amen>. or right. <laughs> um, uh, you know other things. You're a Cowboys fan too, I take it, right? No, huh? I was no, say, no, nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're in Eagle territory here. I'm a Sooner fan. A Sooner? So it's college football. Oh, okay. All Oklahoma right. University. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So it, it, there was just enough relationship um, that uh, was safe for me mm-hmm. uh, for a long enough period of time that uh, that allowed me to, uh, to learn to trust again. Um, someone asked me, you know, wh- what's what's going to need to change for you to be involved in ministry again? Mm. And I knew the answer right away. Uh, I said, I'm, I'm going to have to be willing to be hurt again. Mm. Um, and, uh, and it took God a while to bring me to that place. But uh, there, were, there were people here that were okay to let me take that time. Mm. And that was huge for me. So you had said that you, get, you got here around 2014, and uh, and so you 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 began your your work as the as the director of member care. Well, maybe back in December of last year, twenty seventeen. January second, twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Official hire date. So it's been eleven months. Yeah. Since then, and so about what three years or so, three and a half years since you first arrived here. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was, uh, well, it's been f- a little over four years now at this point, but okay. yeah, from the time I was 
I got here to when I was on staff was was about three years. Yeah. You know, so there's I heard this one saying, and this is this was said in the context of parenting, hmm. but uh, there was this one pastor who who made the point where, you know, he was like, you know, my experience has been that some of the best Christian homes to grow up in are those with, um, you know, what I don't know if we would quite use the same terminology, but he said something like the best home to grow up in in a Christian family is one with low expectations and high performance spiritually. Mm. Um, mm. The the best home to grow up in from a Christian family is one with uh, low expectations, high performance, and the worst being high expectations, low performance. Yeah. So in other words, like what, what jumped out at me in your description was like, you know, coming to, uh, you came to a local church, in this case, Hilltown, uh, where there was not like this facade that you had to put on of like being this uber Christian that just like has everything put together with all the answers. Like the Lord, the Lord. Yeah, and was, I didn't put on that facade. And, and, and exactly. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but like, praise God that like in it, there's, there, there have been like, I personally, I mean, I've visited some, some local churches where you, you don't get that same dynamic, right? You, you get yeah. this dynamic where it's like everybody kind of is, you know, squeaky clean and doesn't have any problems and has never done anything wrong or never wrestled with doubt or, you know, there's something wrong with you if you do. But then there's other churches where um, that dynamic's just a little bit healthier, where it's a little bit more realistic mm -hmm. and there's space to wrestle and there's space to to grow and to work through those things together, you know, in in the life of the family, in mm. the life of the body as right. a family. Right. Um, like that that just jumped out at me in your story. And I just, I'm, I'm grateful to the Lord for that. Um, mm -hmm. for that dynamic here. Yeah. Um, so having now been in the position that you are in, what do you find to be the most rewarding aspect of it or the most challenging aspect of caring? Um, I, I have uh, been selling windows and doors now since I graduated from college. So it's mm -hmm. been about 15 years. And um, I do that. I know this seems like I'm not answering your question. I know, but I'll, you'll get there. I'll get there. You'll get there. Um, I have, yeah, so I've been selling uh, windows and doors to people in their homes now for, for about 15 years. And, and I had someone ask me several years ago, what's your favorite thing about in-home sales? And I thought about it for a minute. I said, probably the people. Like, I just mm -hmm. really enjoy uh, interacting with them in their environment and um, helping them solve problems that they, they perceive to have. And then that person said, what do you like least about in-home sales? I said, probably the people. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I would say that uh, the, the greatest joy that I have is interacting with the people here. And, yeah. um and getting to love them and be for them uh, and encourage them in their growth. Uh, and um, yeah, like young to old. Um, I love our, our uh, senior saints, um, you know. Uh, they love you. Well. <laughs> um, no, they, they sing praises of you. They really, they really appreciate what you're doing. I, that's what I hear. Well, uh, well, he's not a Dallas fan. Well, that's so he's got. So he's got that going for him. I was just kidding. God right. loves Dallas fans too. That's right. 
His mercy endures maybe. forever. His, yes, yeah. maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that, that's, that's the best part is that my, my ministry here, uh, my role here is really expected to be relational. Mm -hmm. Like, the, I mean, there are aspects of pastoral ministry that are expected to, to be administrative or that are expected to be more, uh, um, academic, mm -hmm. um, just in terms of prepping for uh, Sunday sermon or those sorts of things. Yeah. But really my whole job here is expected to be relational. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that God um, prepared me for outside of my seminary yeah. uh, training and that I'm grateful for. Um, so I would say that that's um, definitely uh, the, the best part of my, my job here in terms of the most challenging um, you know, people are messy. Um, and so they got problems. They do. They do. And, and I have problems. Yeah, we right? all got yeah. problems. Um, and so like when you, when you combine, you know, someone who has problems with another person who has problems and those two are supposed to grow together in their walk, like it just, it's, it's messy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there, there are times when, um, you know, when someone, is um you know not uh either not willing to grow or not mm -hmm. able to grow in a certain mm -hmm. direction that's just painful to walk walk with them through that mm -hmm. um you know and and to be patient and to take time and um you know and to just engage in those situations so i, I would say that that's that and and um staff meetings <laughs> oh wait, you don't like staff meetings? <laughs> you don't have to answer that question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is recorded. I, 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 I Tim, love, close your ears. I love the staff. <laughs> I love the staff, um, but the administrative side of things. Um, so I, I would be okay if that didn't exist. Uh, the paperwork always has to happen. There's always in. paperwork, right? You it's know? okay. I get a lot of meetings at my at my job. I have I keep Me a too. little you know the you know the monopoly card, get out of jail free card. I got a get out of meetings free card. I'll have to give you a couple of copies. I need of that. I need many of those. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I should get some of those too from my work. You should. Everybody needs a few of them. Um, <laughs> So let me ask you this. So I got a question. For, like one of the challenge, one of the challenges, and I just want to like, is this a challenge that you face in in your role? You say it's like primarily relational. You're working with people a lot. Um, one of the challenges that I I have faced personally, historically, in in similar roles, is that there's this notion that because you you hold some kind of a formal vocational role at the church, mm -hmm. that if you talk with people or if you like swing by to their ha their homes or whatever like back to that facade thing for a minute people feel like they have to put that on like mm -hmm. my experience my experience was like one of the one of the challenges of you know just that relational aspect of vocational ministry was like people would kind of like put up a guard or put like they didn't want you to see the dirt they didn't want you to see i just i don't know if that's something that is it, it that you're experiencing you know, here as much, maybe not here as much, or or if, if that's been a challenge for you at all, just like getting to the people themselves and who they are in their everyday lives to kind of let that, let that barrier drop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that I see that as much. Uh, I, I think, mm. I think Tim, um, mm. I think Tim sees that. That's interesting. Uh, 
as um, the head pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a little more visibility. Yeah. yeah. Um, at, and I think that also that some of that comes from, um, you, you know, if there's if there's going to be a discipline, like a church discipline mm-hmm. s- setting or scenario, then Tim is more likely to be the one that's going to spearhead that um, just just because of his position. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm part time and, you know, uh, more of a supplemental role to what he does. So, yeah, I don't I don't feel like I see as much of that. Um, Got it. Huh. You know, uh, I mean, it's to some degree you're, you're going to get that from people no matter what. If they, if they right. know you're a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I can remember being on planes, you know, um, and communicating to someone that I was preparing for pastoral ministry. And, you know, and one of two things always happened at that point. <laughs> um, either that ended the conversation. They didn't want to talk to me anymore, or they wanted to tell me how good they were. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, that's interesting. so true, though. That is very yeah. interesting. That's, but that's so true. Right. Yeah. That's so interesting you say that. But Almost so as true. if, like, they're trying to justify themselves. Yeah. Well, that— As that, if you're the like you're their connection right, like, to God. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, that's not the gospel. Right. Right? So so if you're out there listening, if you're, you know, just just please, 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 for to, to make your—, your uh, Pastors, I, I say this as a member of the church, right? I am not in vocational ministry, but if to, to make your your pastors' lives easier, um, putting up that facade is not the way, right? Like the, when your pastors are trying to lean into your life, they're trying to lean into your life to get to know who you are, where you're truly at, you know, dirt and all, and and let them see that because apart from that, you know, it's it's very hard to to exercise pastoral care well. If if that stuff is is hidden, right? Sin loves the darkness; it wants to be concealed. Is that? But it, I mean, an analogy would be no different than going to a doctor and yeah. and refusing to tell the doctor your symptoms because you are afraid that they might actually help you. Help you, yeah, like, like you nearly know. every guy does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, well, that's exactly right. Yes. We do that uh, with 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 our medical issues. That's a human tendency. But you don't it's want a sin to, thing. exactly. It's, it's a, a sin, sin thing. thing. Yeah. But you certainly you wouldn't want to do that if you had some issue with your body that you needed to get resolved. Uh, so you sure, certainly wouldn't want to do that spiritually, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, Martin Lloyd-Jones called called pastors, uh, what is it, surgeons of souls. Like you, yeah. it's, you're, you're doing operation on a soul, Spiritual right? Spiritual doctor. Spiritual doctor. Yes. You, you can't, you, it's very hard to do that when when you don't know what the ailment is. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. If they don't give you any symptoms, then... and and what's interesting too is the I I have seen like exactly the same thing you just described. Where like if you share I'm I'm going to the pastoral ministry, they'll share how good they've been. It's right. like, is 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 that really the gospel? Right. Like is that really like um you know if if you know if Jesus himself came back today right now like, what would our response be? Right. Like are we are we it's on our knees? Yeah. Like are we on our knees in contrition yeah. or are we going up to Jesus telling him about all this good stuff? I kept all the good, law. Perfectly. I kept all the law perfectly. Right. Like <laughs> that. But it's it's so true. It's it's remarkable. So I, I would just really um, please be encouraged to be uh, open, honest, forthright with uh, especially with those who are tasked with the shepherding and and overseeing of of the souls of the members of the body. Um, you know, it. You know, mm. when Greg's coming and, and hanging out, um, you know, or when any of any of the any of the uh, members of the body are coming and hanging out for going to we're having some smoked meat or whatever, um, you know, we're just chopping it up, 
let's you know let's be it's okay to be um i don't know vulnerable is the right word but authentic open, authentic right be open yes. and honest with each other about what's really going on yeah. um like when you were talking about like disillusionment i was like yeah like there have definitely been bouts in my life where where i have felt that um but we need to like be honest about that and put that in front of the light to to it you know, acknowledge it, poke at it a little bit and say, what's, mm -hmm. what's really behind that? What's right. going on? Yeah. Well, and I, I think that it's really incumbent upon those of us who are ministers to be authentic and vulnerable as, uh, as an example, Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, to model that. Um, so that's, I mean, uh, there are plenty of people here who have heard my story um, yeah. and that know that you know, I had to be dragged here by my wife kicking and screaming four years ago, um, mm. uh, you know, because I was disillusioned and angry and depressed and yeah. disobedient um, and selfish, so, yeah. um, you know, and it's really important that people know that um, in, uh, you know, in order to, one, see how you be authentic and vulnerable in order to grow and heal um but also it you know it allows them to connect me in a way that they, they never would have and to before. encourage wives to also beat them bring their husbands that's right that's, that's right <laughs> well but it also like i feel like it robs god of glory right because like look at how god is glorified in in your story and in how you know you were at like point a now you're at point b and right. christ was in the boat right and and saying that and and acknowledging that truth brings god tremendous glory mm. so when we when we have these periods of disillusionment, we come out like I mean, first of all, it's gonna be tough to come out the other side of that if we're not honest about it. But let's say we are, we do come out the other side of that, and then you see from point A to point B, look at what God did for me during mm -hmm. this time. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't we want God to to have that glory that is that is due to Him, um, and to to be a comfort to us in those hard in those hard times. Well, if we're not being honest about the fact that there were hard times, then there's something in that that's like robbing glory from God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Greg, I, we're, our time slips us by, but uh, I really appreciated you coming on today and, and sharing. Yeah, brother, thank uh, you for sharing. This. Yeah. And uh, we would love to have you on again sometime. Um, uh, for those of you listening, uh, if you have any questions that uh, you want to email to Dylan, myself, or, or Greg, uh, to have him come on and answer. Uh, we'd love to have uh, your feedback. Uh, just uh, send us an email at uh, twoguysinabible.podcast at gmail.com. That's the number two, guysinabible.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can just check out our website at www.twoguysinabible.org. And uh, again, uh, thank you for your time. Thanks for, for having your, me. Thank your you, thoughts brother. and words there. And uh, um, well, thank you guys for listening. And uh, until next time, God bless. God bless. God bless.